Mystery Podcast. Welcome again to Mystery Podcast. I'm novelist Sherry Todd Bayshore. Today is a plot hint from my most recent suspense thriller, Woodrow and Wren, The Rule of Three. Typically, much of my fiction is researched with a fair amount of fact. With this plot, I not only researched into history, I added some high elements of present-day events too. Who is that third person who advises those who influence the people who make public policy? A body is found below the layers of an early fall snow in the west garden of historic Canyon House, Flagstaff, Arizona. Lois Woodrow and Ivy Wren have been best friends since public school, and a simple visit by Lois to Ivy's bed and breakfast is abruptly complicated, though by their own admission not quite as smooth as Agatha Christie's Miss Marple, their clumsy sleuthing becomes a valuable catalyst. Chapter 1 Throughout the night and early morning, a light snow stopped and started, then stopped and started again. The accumulated six inches from the early fall storm was just enough to cover the raised shape that didn't fit with the design around the gazebo flower bed. Ivy Wren Walker's new digital front doorbell resonated from the front hall to the second floor to the side patio to the garage. In that way, Ivy could hear from nearly anywhere while at home if someone came to her front porch. She had the ringer programmed to sound like the chimes of her beloved grandfather clock, but Ivy had its sound set at a slightly higher pitch so she could distinguish the difference between someone at her front door and the 200-year-old timepiece. However, that day, as the clock struck three, so did the first seven notes of the front doorbell. Rushing from her kitchen, she noticed the forecast was accurate, and from the window above the stairs, a light snow had begun to fall again. With uncharacteristic, unguarded excitement, Ivy flung open her wide front door. Wonderful. Lois, you arrived here safely. I'm so relieved. Ivy hugged her dearest friend of 58 years, then noticed Lois was not alone. Hello, I'm Ivy Walker, and who might you be? A slightly younger-looking man with black hair graying at his temples moved from behind Lois to extend his right hand. Mrs. Walker, I'm Daniel James Acefa. Ivy, why are we all freezing on your front porch? Lois looked beyond her friend to the warm nine-by-nine-foot front entrance hall. Of course. Sorry, I wasn't thinking. Please, come in. Ivy stood to one side, then closed the door behind both of her guests. Lois, what is on your right foot? Why are you limping? With a deep sigh, Lois Woodrow looked from Daniel to Ivy. It's a walking boot. After procrastinating for the last two years, I finally had that bunion removed. Where would you like Daniel to put my suitcases? Oh, well, I guess now a room upstairs is not a good idea. Ivy looked at Daniel for a second. That door directly behind you, Mr. Acefa, opens to my wee apartment. Lois can stay with me. Through a set of ornate double wooden doors, Ivy led the way. This is my small sitting room. My bedroom and bath is through those other doors. Please just put the luggage against the wall there. Ivy turned to Lois with a wink. I still sleep in that king mattress that Eric and I bought before he died, so there's plenty of space for us to share. It'll be just like the pajama nights we had in high school. Lois hobbled to a wing-back chair beside a low, smoldering fire. This is always so charming, Ivy. Do you have any other guests yet? Not until the first full week of November. They arrive five days after Halloween, so you can wander anywhere, but we might as well sit in here. Mr. Acefa, please relax in that other chair by the fire. I'll toss on another log and get a proper fire going. 
two oversized club chairs upholstered in a large floral print were set side by side facing a dry stack stone fireplace. Two wingback chairs were placed at an angle on either side of the firebox. The chair to the left was covered in a gently worn striped fabric, with the chair to the right in a slightly faded dark green weave. With new flames ignited by fresh wood, Ivy settled into one of the club chairs. Hasefa, she smiled at the older handsome stranger who seemed completely at ease in his unfamiliar surroundings. My guess is your surname is not of Welsh origin. Daniel laughed out loud. Ethiopia, he shook his head, still smiling. My father accepted a teaching position at Princeton just before I was born. My mother had been a general family medicine doctor before the move, but decided to qualify as a midwife after her own children were born. Lois shifted in her chair. I can't drive for a while because of my boot or my foot, but I didn't want to give up my car. Captain Nesefa is my new neighbor. He bought the house across the street from mine this past spring after he retired from flying with the U.S. Navy. This week he happened to have some spare time, so very generously offered to drive a little old lady around when needed. Ivy nodded between Daniel and Lois. My father retired from the Air Force, though he wasn't a pilot. Did you remember that, Lois? Then he sold insurance until he retired completely. The grandfather clock in the dining room struck half past three. Ivy stood. I have a meatloaf baking in the oven for our dinner, but in the meantime, Captain Asefa, it is happy hour every day at 4 p.m. in this house. Do you drink alcohol? Please call me Daniel, and I do indeed enjoy any kind of beer or wine or brandy. Perfect. Lois, are you on any pain medication that limits your alcohol intake? I was two days ago, but not anymore, so bring it on. Daniel stood too. I'd be happy to help you, Mrs. Walker, just as soon as I call for a room at Little America. Ivy looked startled. First, you must call me Ivy, and second, this old house is a bed and breakfast, and I have five empty rooms upstairs. You are absolutely welcome to pick any one of them. I don't feel comfortable, Mrs. I don't feel comfortable doing that, Ivy. You weren't expecting me, and I'll be perfectly happy at Little America. I've stayed there before. Nonsense. Lois eased out of her chair, too. I'll help Ivy with a cheese and cracker tray. You get your own bag from the car and pick a room. It had stopped snowing again. Then the air turned still and crisp. The day's light was fading with a pale pink glow that peaked between narrow breaks in the clouds to the west. With his canvas navy bag in hand, Daniel locked the back door of Lois's aging Volvo, then looked back at the 150-year-old two-story river rock and slate stone house. In Flagstaff's historic registry, Canyon House had never been a wholly private home. It began as Canyon Hospital, a small hospital in surgery with the doctor's apartment to the right of the front entrance where Ivy now lived. In 1905, it became a boarding house. Then after World War II, it was a spiritual retreat. When Ivy's aunt and uncle bought the property in 1979, they remodeled it entirely as a bed and breakfast. After they died, within weeks of each other, they left Canyon House to Ivy and her husband Eric, who then decided to move from Tucson and retire in Flagstaff. The empty lot to the west of the house was merged with a smaller original garden during its years as a retreat. In the years before he died, Eric had enlarged the flagstone patio out from the dining room, extended it toward a spacious octagon-shaped gazebo, then beyond that again to reach a glass-enclosed pool. A full moon was just visible to the east, and with fresh snow Daniel knew the night would be a bright one. 
Just inside the front entrance again, down the hall, he could hear the lifelong friends chatting in the kitchen. Seventy. We both turned seventy last April. Lois opened a second box of small crackers. Did it ever occur to you when we were in high school that one day we would be seventy? I mean, when I was in high school, my grandmother was seventy. That was my grandmother, not me. Ivy looked up and spotted Daniel. Just take your bag straight on up. My favorite room is the one in front, on the west side. Then the morning sun, when it's clear, that is, won't wake you. Sounds good. I won't need to close any window coverings. There's going to be a full moon tonight. He disappeared from sight. Because your foot makes walking for you such a chore, let's put everything together on this and push it down the hall to my sitting room. Ivy retrieved her late aunt's tea wagon from the dining room. With glasses, plates, napkins, food, and wine all arranged on both the upper and lower tea cart shelves, Lois followed Ivy from the kitchen to the front hall. The clock struck four just as they reached Ivy's sitting room doorway, and Daniel came down to the foot of the stairs. Daniel wasn't smiling. I hope you don't mind, but I'm just going to take a quick look at something I spotted on your side yard near the gazebo. Ivy was puzzled. The gazebo has no heat. It's only screened in. You can reach the side yard from the dining room. But Daniel had already hurried out the front door. Ivy turned to Lois. The flagstone path from the side patio hasn't been cleared yet. I have help from a neighbor's teen son. I'll call to have it done later so the captain can explore more of the west garden. Lois didn't get the chance to comment before Daniel rushed back in. His expression this time was distinctly dismal. Ivy had no idea why the captain had gone outside and assumed something else entirely. How is that west corner room, Daniel? I realize the gingham quilt with the flower print pillows and the chair is quite feminine, but if it's too much pink, you can sleep in one of the other four rooms. No, ma'am, the room is perfect. But when I looked out of the window to your garden, I saw something by your gazebo flower bed that seemed an odd shape. I just went to check it out, ma'am. Lois picked up on the cautious tone in Daniel's voice. What kind of shape? He hesitated, then realized they would know soon enough. From the second floor window, the shape appeared to be like a human body. When I looked to make sure I wasn't seeing things, I wasn't. What I saw was a human body. This is the last page of chapter one. And hopefully, again, you're intrigued enough to want to know mm, what happens next in chapter two. Thanks again for your time. I hope you're enjoying it so far.